0: Welcome to Awakenings Movement Podcast. Awakenings Movement is a community where dreamers become believers and believers become doers.
1: Join me for a word of prayer. Dear God, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus, knowing that you are the divine contractor, the divine creator of all things beautiful and pure. Lord, you architected humanity. You architected the human frame. You architected nature, the globe. Lord, you are the divine architect. Let us learn from you. Let us lean into you today as we learn how to make space for life and room for love. Space for life and room for love. Amen. Gotcha. Good catch. together and we do it and we get to the middle where we have forgotten our feelings, our love, you will help me, huh? I do not believe in the conditions that would produce the need for a song like that, is what she said. So we've been talking about the conditions. Man, hit those lights for me very quick. We've been talking about the conditions that best <clears throat> nurture our beliefs. Nina Simone had a deep belief in humanity. She has a, she has a, she had a resonant understanding particularly of the power of black folk. She really believed that. She studied some of you who've seen the documentary. First of all, dude, if you believe in anything human, you've got to see that documentary, the documentary that features her story. The name of it is Danielle. What's the name of it? What Happened, Miss Simone? What Happened, Miss Simone? Which is a quote that comes from Maya Angelou, who essentially wrote her a letter asking her what happened. And what happened was that mental illness was unearthed through rejection. She experienced a deep, resonant, Rejection, because she was a classically trained pianist all of her life, she was a good girl. I know that Nina Simone is known as like the bad girl of R&B and jazz and and black music at a time when there were a lot of you know rebels, I I know that. But did you guys know that she was sweet, kind, and very, very soft-natured as a little girl when she was educated to be a classically trained pianist? But then she went on to study at Juilliard, and then she knew what the next step was. The next step was for her to go to the school that would bring her to the highest level of her capacity as a classically trained pianist. And when she applied for that school, the only reason that she was given a rejection was not based on her capacity as a pianist, was not based on like her disposition. A lot of people say that, well, you know, she was a rebel rouser. She wasn't a rebel rouser then. She was a very kind, sweet person, right? And it wasn't because she did not have the skill. She had supreme skill. It was simply because she was black. And she was black in the time when she was black. Which meant that she was rejected for being who she be. Thank you for that song, Michelle. That was great. Y'all give it up for Michelle and him again. (laughs) So in many ways she suppressed her feelings, right? And said that she was going to prove the whole world wrong and she was going to move through an industry that did not welcome her. And she began to, to, to take a job um, so that she could pay for her continued education. And she decided to take a job at a bar. She played at that bar. The bar owner soon said, hey, you play really well. Your competency is super high as a player, but, but eventually, you're going to have to sing. And She was like, dude, I'm not a singer, <laughs> right? But she began to sing. And when she did, she fused classical music with jazz, with R&B, with soul music in such a way that it was a a quilt and the, the threads of all of those great musical expressions were so tightly woven into the fabric of what she presented that the whole world heard something new through how she sang and through how she played. Now how many of you know, knew before the documentary if you've seen it or know right now that Nina Simone was a classically trained pianist? How many of you just thought she was just a singer, a really great singer? I grew up all of my life thinking that she was just a bad singer. Man, this, have you ever seen the lady play the piano? Ooh, she destroys it. I I found this clip um, when I was, uh, I'm not gonna tell you what year it was, I'll tell you what year it was, it was 1996, I was graduating from college, and uh, a friend of mine let me see this clip that he had on a VHS, that's just how old I am. (laughs) And, like, he, he was like, just just get past this part. Where she start getting into the song? But I was, I was mesmerized by this moment. This moment where she was singing another person's song talking about how the person who wrote the song had to hide their feelings, possibly because they were at some point rejected, or hurt, or beaten, or abused. And then she, and she seems a little disoriented, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Right. She seems a little different, right? And she, in the moment of disorientation, gives this look to the audience, and if you look at the look on this lady's eyes, this is a look of complete and utter disgust with the way things are. Yet she tried her best to architect and to curate space through her music in which people could have life and people could find love. But some say that ultimately her desire to create space through her music for African American people, like pushed her out of so many different places of acceptance and of love. She was rejected by most everybody who was most intimate to her and as a result of that she displaced her own sense of inability to cope emotionally and behaviorally onto the people that were closest to her, including her children. Um, She died in France and she died still believing that the most treacherous moment in her entire life was the moment when a little girl was rejected from having an opportunity to be a classically trained pianist just because she was black. She still talked about it like it was yesterday, even on the day she died. Now, the school that rejected her gave her a doctorate a couple of days before she died. Isn't that amazing? Oh, wow. But why shouldn't they have given it her? It's still a travesty. So good for them, but so what kind of? Almost, but not quite. Almost with no cigar, you know? What I want to do right now is I want to invite a friend And uh, she has recently started a business. And uh, her business is to really develop people's human behavior by helping people grow, not just behaviorally um, as a therapist, but also helping people to navigate through society in a way that they're not like always on the fringe, the way that that Nina Simone was. And she's going to talk to us a little bit. I'm going to interview her. Would you guys please give it up for Miss Courtney? Okay, so, um, Ms. Courtney, can you tell us a bit about the business that you've recently started that you left your job to go full time into? Y'all give it up for? Her? She's brave. Oh, nurse? I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Um, our recent, well, it's about a year old. I have a
0: developmental clinic. You
1: getting emotional? I am.
0: I'll be okay. Give me a second. So, um, it's a developmental clinic for, for children and we're is provide assessments and therapy for behavioral, um, communication, occupational, and socialization for people who have different types of medical disorders. So um, right now we're really primarily focusing on children, but we are about to integrate adults into our program.
1: That's awesome. And I wanna first celebrate you for having the courage to believe enough in yourself and what you have to offer the world to make sacrifices to bring about. God bless you, man. Thank you. God bless you. So, can you talk a bit about, um, why don't I give her my mic? What about this? She could take that one? Oh, good, you hold that one then. Okay. Um, so like, can you talk a bit about, you know, we were, we were having a consultation and I was kinda of helping her process some of her ideas. And I was like, wait a minute, you about to share something with us at, at church on Sunday. This is so amazing. Can you talk a bit about the difference between like social challenges that we have, like Nina Simone had social challenges, she was rejected in a society that did not accept her, and then the behavioral responses that come as a result of some of those social challenges. So can you talk about those two, socialization and then behavior?
0: Okay, so socialization is basically um, being able to recognize cues and being able to understand how to approach different social situations. A lot of people have a lot of difficulties when it comes to being social and being able to to incorporate themselves in different types of social environments. So, um, which which in turn affects their behavior in certain situations. So it's kind of like a comorbid thing coexisting. So, for example, if you are unfamiliar with cues and different social ailments, then you tend to behave differently. Well, or out of the social norms, what they classify it as, but we don't really know what norm is. But um, So your behaviors are coexisting with your socialization and, your, and vice versa. So when a person is not aware of their social environment and they're not aware of different things that um, create their behaviors, then a lot of times they act out in ways that are unaccepted by their peers. So for example, um, um, what's her name again? Nina Nina Simone. So when she, she was an innocent person that approached the situation and so she didn't understand Or maybe she didn't have a self-awareness of like the socialization around her that she was an African American and that she wasn't going to probably be accepted. So not being fully aware of those things affected her behavior. So when you're aware and you are, it builds self-confidence and you will be able to, to face situations that you may not think you could face. So when she was faced with that socialization, I mean, that social situation, she didn't know how to handle it. She didn't have the tools to be able to accept that. So what she started to do is rebel. She started to become rebellious. And so what we do is we try to teach individuals how to recognize things within their social environment and the realness of it and to understand how it affects your behavior, so that when you approach those situations, you can be cognizant and say, "Okay, well, I'm going to approach this in a different way for this particular social, um, you know, environment, this this situation." Mm-hmm. So it's basic. That's what we teach kids, and especially when you have um, cognitive difficulties that coexist with that, then it's you know you really have to teach one-on-one skills on how to deal with those things. So.
1: Beautiful, thank you. Y'all give it up for Ms. Courtney again. I won't take credit, but I will. Uh, I hired Ms. Courtney at the Imani School and she was one of the most, like second to Regina. Of course, Regina was the best hire I ever made. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Uh, But Ms. Courtney just really had a unique way of handling children, not handling, of being in relationships and developing partnerships with children that most teachers could not like connect with. And so I just really want to celebrate you for continuing what we saw early on and growing. And thank you so much. God bless you. All right. I do want to say that I thank God for the rebel in Nina Simone. Do you hear me? I said I thank God for the rebel in Nina Simone. I don't, for one instance, believe that Nina Simone Right? and the contributions that she made should be in any way diminished because of the quality of her mental faculty. She was a person at the time who was mentally ill, and people around her really did not know how to assess her mental illness at the time. Right, And so when folks can't assess your mental illness or the challenge that you're going through, it's really hard for it to be treated. Right, So she was in a tough situation, right? and she did the best that she possibly could with what she had. But today we can learn from the beauty and from uh, the ugly of her life, in such a way that we can move forward facing social situations that may limit our space mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, and then behave in such a way that can broaden our space spiritually. You understand what I'm saying? We can learn from her, okay? Okay, first, we must architect conditions that demand our most spacious beliefs about ourselves. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. Man, you need to believe so much about yourself that it becomes this spacious contribution you make to all of humanity. In other words, when people have a limited understanding of you as a classically trained pianist because you are African-American, you need not let their limited box limit the framework for the landscape that God has created for you. No, you have a pasture of possibility even when people give you a box of impossibility. You have to believe that, okay? What you... Uh, What do you want to make room for in the way you behave? This is where we begin. We begin by saying, what room do I want to make in the world? I want to make room for love. I want to make room for truth. I want to make room for passion. I want to make room for beauty in socially and spiritually architecting, because that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how to spiritually architect your life in such a way that you make room for life and space for love so let's start off with this Like, what do you want to make room for in the way that you behave what do you want to make and think of one positive word that represents what you want to make room for in the way that you behave what do you want to make room for give me that one what did you hear somebody else say what do do you want to make room for what's that love yes forgiveness good forgiveness I love that what else Authenticity. Beautiful. Anybody else? Huh? Organization. Organization. Wow. I need that. How you as an architect in my life? <laughs> OK, what do you want to make space for in how you see society? What do you want to make space for? i sorry. I thought I heard the popsicle man. <laughs> That's socialization for you right there. My mouth start watering. Now. <laughs> Ice cream, ice cream. <laughs> what? Ice cream. What do you want to make space for in how you see society? What do you want to make space for? Come on, somebody tell me something. What do you want to make space for in how you see society? Activism. You said what? Activism. activism. Praise God. Justice, activism, and justice. That's the spirit. Yes. Huh? And hope. You said hope. What? So it will get better, dang! From activism to justice to hope, so that it will get better. Yes. For choice. Kiana said choice. Graceful. Graceful. Wow! You and your sister y'all together. Y'all see how y'all do that? (laughs) Y'all grace and power. She said activism. Yeah, told you. Less
0: judgment.
1: Less judgment. Less judgment. (laughs) Less judgment. Joyfully heal, to heal with joy, to heal the way a kid heals. I love that. Um, Spiritual architecture that makes space for life and room for love. I don't care what social boundary you face as a human being. Never let any person or people group society determine for you what space you have for God's will in your life. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Now, this is the story of a dude who's the descendant um, of Jesus. Like, the, the Bible tells us that it was David. Oh, now I'm getting sleepy. 2 <laughs> Samuel uh, chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. This is David, a great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, to Jesus himself and this is the story of how David did not allow the social parameters outside of his own life to limit who he was on the inside okay I'm going to begin with with verse 1 somebody else read it 2nd Samuel chapter 5 verse 1
0: Shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel
1: came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. Stop right there. They anointed David king over Israel. They anointed David king over Israel, right? Let me get those dry, Sorry. So he's in Hebron. He was to be anointed king of all of Israel, right? Which is in Jerusalem. Essentially, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, right? If you, if, if you think of it like this, it's like a person is living in Orange, Texas, but they want to be a senator, and they should be living in the state capital, which is what? Austin. So David was living in a small town outside of the big city where God had called him to be. And so the major problem was that De- uh, David did not put... So this is like... I don't know what it looks like. Right, and then, my goodness, sorry. (laughs) Jerusalem, I don't know how to spell it. So, (laughs) Jeru, the damager. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Hebron. He was living in Hebron, but he was called to live in Jerusalem, which is the capital. You see, his body was not where his call was, his body was where his fall was. And we'll find out what his fall is. Let's continue reading. <laughs> this is my favorite story of all time. Somebody keep reading, somebody else. Verse four, start with verse four. Daniel was 30 years old, he king. Ah, Devon, how old are you? Oh, King Devon, baby.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Okay, then verse 6, check this out. Now listen closely, guys. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the who lived there. Stop right there. The Jebusites who lived there. So somebody was in his space. Somebody was where he was supposed to be. And socially, they had created an environment where he's not supposed to fit there. And he's the king. Living in Hebron, called to Jerusalem he's king of all of Israel, and there's some people there called the Jebusites who are telling him socially that he is not the right complexion, not the right cultural identity, he's not the right person to be inside that space. Keep reading. So in other words, you're so weak that the blind people can whoop you and the lame people can kick your butt, right? Keep going. Okay, stop right there. So the Bible says that he was living in Hebron, His people came to him and was like, "Man, what you doing here? You're supposed to be living in Jerusalem? You're supposed to be king of all, king of all of Israel." But when he got outside the gates, when he got outside the gates of Jerusalem, which was the space in which he was supposed to live, this was the space that was architected for him to have life and to have love. He was told by some people who lived on the inside, who were called the Jebusites. that even the blind and the lame of the Jebusites would whoop David outside the wall of his own freaking destiny. This is David. This is his destiny. This is an invisible wall that the Jebusites lifted up based on their words. Do you know that when it comes to the uh, archaeological excavations and also the anthropological evidence reveals that the Jebusites were people who were vertically challenged? They were small people. So when David knocked down the walls, Like David, like in his big old man, they knocked down walls. They was like, what?
0: (laughs) Are you serious right
1: now? They was like, man, you know what? Make a little small pathway for these Jebusites to come in. But I'm going to rearrange everything up in here because it's all too small for me. The Bible continues to say that David re-architected all of the kingdom to fit and to suit his capacity and space for vision and that he did not even allow the Jebusites to come in without coming in through a small door that he created for them. There was not even a fight when he got on the other side of the wall. You see, he was putting his body where his fall was, but David should have put his body where his, what, call was. How often do we allow our minds and our spirits to be where the fall is, where there's rejection, where people don't accept us, where people create these invisible lines that keep us outside of our own destiny? How often do we allow the fall to predicate how we think about ourselves rather than our call? Your call are all those words that you yourself named. You named them, not me. Social activism, that's your call. Never let anybody put you in the position of a fall when you know what your call is. Okay? Hope, hope is your call. Never let anybody put you in a position where you, be- you let them make you believe that you are hopeless when hope is in fact your Jerusalem. My friends and family members, okay? God has a destiny for you. I don't know why I said God like that. I don't know why I said that. Because I want to cuss. You know what I'm saying? I just want to, like Nina Simone, she cussed in there, I was like, ooh. Dude, if, don't you know that um, someone's life depends on your obedience to God's call? Somebody won't live the same if you don't live into your destiny. So I know what you're saying, but Marlon, all that sounds really good. And uh, but, but but can you can you be more more specific? What keeps us what keeps us from architecting? So again, once David got in, he rearranged everything. The Bible even says that David took down the paintings that were on the wall. He interior decorated everything completely different. <laughs> what keeps us from architecting roomy space for life and love? What do you think? Fear, rejection, rejection. Frustration. frustration, and those can be comorbid. <laughs> In other words, because we were rejected, we're frustrated, which gives us the fear that we're going to be rejected again. What's another one? Impatience. Work, impatience, and work can no, make you.
0: words. words. Words.
1: Words. Oh, the yeah. words that people use against us. Yeah. Impatience, <laughs> impatience. Talk some more about impatience. so true. Phoenix and I were watching Peppa Pig yesterday and Peppa's grandfather told her that a strawberry seed is the only seed that, that's on the outside. And that all she had to do was plant the strawberry seed and from one seed would grow the, and so she planted it. And so Peppa Pig and, and Grandpa Pig were just waiting for it to come up. And Phoenix was like, you can go home. It's not gonna come up yet. <laughs> she just like her mom, she loved talking to the movies. Socially, this is what Courtney taught me, socially misinformed and behaviorally misdirected. These are the conditions that come from rejection. We become socially misinformed and we become behaviorally misdirected. In other words, because we believe that the social parameters that other people set for us are our parameters, that's a misinformation. Just because someone else sets a social norm does not mean that it is your abnormality. Right? So we accept these socially misinformed conditions, and then as a result of it, instead of behaving properly in ways that allow us to move through the boundaries that other people set, through the walls that other people set, we have behaviorally misdirected ideas. So we cuss, we talk loud, we kick, we spit. Architect more space socially to design more room behaviorally. Don't you know that the way that you can respond to how somebody treats you with your behavior can broaden up the space for you? Yeah. Do you really Do you really understand what I'm saying there? In other words, if you react always, and I think that there is a time to flip over tables, and Danielle preached about that, there is a time for us to act a fool, right? But there's also a time to be wise in how we pursue, to be smooth as a serpent and peaceful as a dove in how we pursue, and even how we correct somebody, you know what I mean? What architects more space for our spirit socially? This is what Courtney taught me. She said, first, social cognition of proximity, listening and tone. She says, when people miss these, in other words, when someone sets social parameters outside of who you are that limit space for God's potential in your life, the first thing we do is we (laughs) gain proximity. We get in their face like, what? (laughs) Huh? What, what, right? The next thing we do is we stop listening. We don't want to hear nothing else they have to say because of what they've already said. The last thing we do is our tone gets, our tone and volume gets extremely loud. And don't you know that these things right here are direct reflection on the outside of what's happening on the inside? What's happening on the inside is that we've cut off our listening, even of our own best judgment. What's happening on the inside is that we began to speak louder than even the Spirit of God is speaking to us with a soft whisper. And we've grown closer to that person and the problem that they have with us and farther away from who we truly are. Do you understand what I'm saying? We get in their face, but we don't face our truest and purest likeness. Well, what architects takes away... I'm sorry. Here we go. Don't take a picture of that. sorry, sorry educators, (laughs) what takes away space for our spirit emotionally? Yeah, okay, I'll go with that. All right, what takes away space for our spirit, the space that's for our spirit, that's destined for our spirit emotionally? I'm, I'm glad you asked. These three things right here. Behavioral offense, anger, and doubt. Now, the Bible did not say, that David, when the Jebusites told him the blind and the lame will take you over, the Bible didn't say that he got close to that gate. He wasn't like, you better open this gate. I'm going to tell you, going to tell me something, and I'm going to tell everybody about something else, right? The Bible did not say that he was like, y'all, blind and lame. Yo, mama blind and lame. You know, he didn't do all that, you know. The Bible did not say that he even doubted. The Bible didn't even say that he was like, hmm. The Bible used one word. Anybody remember that, what that word was? Oh, you don't remember? Okay. you got to have that nevertheless in your spirit. Is this spelled right? Praise God. (laughs) Despite the fact that you can't publicly spell, you got to say nevertheless, I'm going to write on the board. (laughs) Nevertheless. (laughs) Nevertheless. You got to be able to have that nevertheless. And you cannot allow offense. You cannot allow anger. You cannot allow doubt to keep you from the nevertheless. Because the more time you spend outside the gate angry, offensive, And doubtful is the less time you spend inside your own destiny. The more time you spend inside your own head. And the less time you spend in God's intended plan and purpose for your life. Don't you dare let offense, anger, or doubt keep you from God's destiny? We do these misinformed behaviors. When do these misinformed behaviors kick in? Man, I'm so happy that, that you guys asked. When we feel we have something to defend when we feel we have something to defend. How do you know when to defend your space? It's a really good question. We only get offended if we have something to defend or prove. If you don't have anything to prove or to defend, there's no reason to project your emotions nor your behavior with the spirit of offense. If there is nothing to defend, if someone says you're not good enough, you take a step back. Like don't get get close to their face. Take a step back, okay? Uh Uh-huh. Don't get angry. Process your truth. No, I am good. And then move forward. But if you are offended, nine times out of 10, it's because you don't believe that what is the opposite of what the person is throwing at you is true. You believe that you are not talented. You believe that you are not powerful. You believe that you are not valuable. You should not get offended if you don't have anything to defend. Now, does that mean that there's somewhere for you to go and something for you to do? Yes. But the Bible did not say that David knocked down the walls of the gate like with a fence because a fence brings about an energy and also chemical compounds that get mixed up in your body that make it so that you live less life and live life with less power, right? In other words, you can still move with power into a situation and right what's wrong to seek activism, to seek justice, to seek truth without being offended. You can live a life without offense but still be offensive in winning a goal towards God's intended plan and purpose. You're about to ask a question. I can't wait to hear it. That's- Don't yeah. jump
0: up with your hands all the right. so what's up? Right, 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 you know, no, no, no. Uh, 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 so you don't know me, and that's the first thing I always hear. You don't know me, you don't know me. If they don't know you, why are you even going to all these channels? Right, right, yeah. right. And, then, and then he and your friend, oh, come on, man. That's, right, that's right. You know, so. We love that, too. You know, that that really too. <laughs> somebody about something they
1: say. A young man got killed the other day because he said something about some young, other young man's mom. We don't know this woman. And I mean, looks you know, crazy. That's, that's true. That's true. No, 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 I I, I love that, I love that. If we have nothing to defend, then we shouldn't limit spiritual space by getting offended. You can be a freedom fighter who is not offended. You can be a freedom fighter who is for the space that you wanna create in the world, but not against the limitations that other people are making for you. Don't fight against the limitation. Just go ahead and architect space. It's your destiny, it's your purpose beyond the gates. Her name is Zaha Hadid, anybody ever heard of Zaha Hadid? Oh, Zaha Hadid is an amazing architect, one of very few women architects and um, who have been nationally and internationally noted. Zaha Hadid has the keen ability to architect spaces like this in Europe where there are traditional neighborhoods So this is a a building that's in a traditional European neighborhood, a neighborhood that has buildings that are hundreds of years old. And um, people who are traditional architects really don't like her, because she comes in in traditional neighborhoods and creates stuff like this. Like, that doesn't even look real, does it? I promise that's 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 a real building. But Zaha Hadid was once asked, don't you have any respect for the conditions that already exist in the communities where you architect these spaces? And she said this. She said, I am sensitive to my context, but not passive. I'm sensitive. I ain't passive. So I'm going to be sensitive to the difference between what you think and what I think, but I'm not going to be passive. If I think it's wrong, I'm going to say it's wrong, but I'm not going to say it's wrong with offense. I'm going to say it's wrong with authority. you know the difference? I'm not going to say it with offense. I'm going to say it with authority. Sometimes offense can take away your authority. You know that, right? Because offense weakens your character, that weakens your judgment, that weakens your opinion. But if you are the kind of person who does not get offended, you can authoritatively say, "Mm mm-mm, that's not right, with a smile. Mm, that ain't right. (laughs) And I'm not going for that. Right? I'm just just not having it. And nine times out of ten, if you look at somebody square off in their face, and you say, I'm not having that, that's wrong, and you can do better than that. We want to love each other, don't we? Nine times out of ten, they're going to be like, yeah. (laughs) Don't limit room for your belief by trying to prove what only faith has proof of. Most times, we move negatively forward because we're trying to prove something. You guys understand? Are you guys with me? But what if what you believe is your purest belief in the world? is something that's so big, it has no room for even gravity or space. It has no room on Earth. Like, what you believe is so freaking dynamic that it's ancient, present, and future. It's timeless. What you believe is so freaking huge that it's beyond the borders of any continent, like it's transcontinental. Your purest belief, hope? There ain't no place where hope can accurately just fit perfectly. Hope just spills all out the pores of any wall or any human body. It's so huge. So why then are we trying to prove something that cannot be touched or seen or contained? So you don't move the same way and with the same level of energy if you're trying to prove something that can't be really touched. So what do you do? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and then proof of things not seen. Sometimes we limit our faith by maximizing our ability to prove that we're right. Because by trying to prove that you're right about something, you have to step outside of the position of faith to step into a position of trying to prove um, the the quantifiable and qualifiable, the the, the logical, mathematical, and all that crap. No, just step away from all that, man. Just be like, no, this is what I believe. And I'm going to move with my belief into my destiny, and I'm not going to let the blind and the lame keep me from God's purpose. The art of spiritual space is the power to interior design people's opinions, and and I'm going to end right here. Okay, this is the hardest for me, because sometimes I give other people's opinions more credit than I give my own opinion. About me. And I've been with me longer than anybody. (laughs) I know me better than anybody. But I allow somebody, sometimes a person I just met in a split second, to have an opinion of me that overrides the opinion of myself that I've been developing for 42 years. How do you know when someone's opinion won't create the condition for roomy belief? When someone's opinion limits the space for your belief, you have no room for their opinions. The moment that somebody gives you an opinion and it limits space for what you believe, it limits space for hope, it limits space for activism, it limits space for something activism, choice, it limits space. Whenever that patience, whenever, whenever someone has something to say and it puts your biggest belief inside of a box, you have no room for what they believe about you. The thing that you do, have you ever had an apartment, right, and it was a certain size, but then you had to downsize your apartment, and some of your furniture just didn't fit in that new apartment? Or Have you ever had a small apartment, and you have furniture for that small apartment, and then you got a bigger place, and you try to put that small apartment furniture into that bigger space? You'd be like, now this just looks terrible. As you grow from day to day pursuing your ultimate destiny, you make more and more room for what you deeply believe. And the more, room for what you, the more room you make for what you deeply believe, the less stuff you can have in that space that looks like the old cramped up space. When someone gives you furniture slash opinions from the past, you need to let them know that that does not fit your interior decoration style anymore. Just don't fit in any room in your house, your mind, your heart, or your soul. I fly, we fly. My cousin had a, a birthday yesterday, and uh, his wife, who's an amazing wife, gifted us with a great opportunity to go indoor skydiving, oh, yeah. and uh, it was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot about the architecture of the indoor skydiving, indoor skydiving space. It's sort of like this cylinder, and then it has like, um, like hundreds of miles of wind that come up from underneath. And in order for you to fly, there's a certain position your, ha- your body has to be in in that space in order for you to ascend, right? So I came in with my own preconceived notions of, like, how my body is supposed to be. But they give you cues, and these are the cues. The first cue, like, when they give you this, that means you need to get on out of here. Exit early. When they give you this one, they'd be, they be like, relax. Because the more relaxed your body is, the more you ascend. The more tense you are, the more you drop to the ground, Right? So exit early, relax, and lift your chin. When you lift your chin, like your body should look like this, and when you lift your chin, like everything else follows. You arch your back, and then your waist goes down, which allows you to have more flight. These are also the three ways in which we can move beyond other people's opinion. Sometimes you need to exit early conversations when people have opinions, You you to be like, mm-mm. <laughs> you would be like, you know what? And when you can't, exit early because sometimes you just can't. You need to what? Relax. Relax. The worst thing you could do is like tense up when someone has a negative opinion of you. When a Jebusite is screaming on on the other side of the wall of your socialization, right? And they're telling you that you can't do this or can't do that. The worst thing for you to do is to tense up because you'll drop straight to the ground. And then lastly, chin up. Man, keep your chin up. Don't let nobody tell you who you ain't, can't be, won't be. Keep your chin up. So I want to show you guys um, an example of how it works and um, also of how, how it, it doesn't work. Um, when it works, um, you, you, you go to the class and, um, and the instructor there, he, he, he's acting like it's like nothing, like it's just so easy for you to do it, but it was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. So you see uh, Auntie Tina, she's getting dressed and getting ready. My cousin Miguel, they all look like pros. See, that's, that's a husband and wife team. You see that, they're helping each other out? That's love, right? So they were ready. They got their stuff together. That's cousin getting ready. So this is Miguel. His body's supposed to be U-shaped. They got holds him, and then bam, my cousin's flying. Just like that. Flight. He's an athlete. He can do whatever he wants to do. Look at that boy, see that boy, chin up? Look at that boy, uh, Alright, that boy got that chin up. Ain't nobody gonna get my cousin's chin down. This is, my watch Christina, oh my God. She's a genius. Off the rip, uh, what? Watch how she looks at the camera, she smiles. Look. He, I mean, all he's doing is this, he's just like... He gently takes her off. Look at her. She just flies on out. Watch me.
0: Ow. Ow, God. Ow, God, ow. Ow, ow, no. What?
1: I start tensing up. Watch this, watch this. I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. Bam! Face first. Bam! Face first. Yo. Dude, did you see I hit the thing face first? Right? Because the more I got into it, like I was like, oh yeah, I could do this, this is easy. But I started to tense up. And then I started to like, act like I was in yoga, like I could just push my way through. But the more I pushed my way through, the, the worser it got, right? <laughs> so eventually, y'all didn't see, but when my face hit the glass right here, this is Christina and their other friend. What's my friend's name? Tasha. And when that, no, they weren't laughing. They were horrified because my whole face, like hit the glass, I was like. <laughs> they were mortified. They were like, <laughs> like I was going to come through. So the second time, I was like, no. I was like, no, dude, I'm not, I'm not gonna play my, he just threw me out of there. <laughs> Second time, Miguel just went straight on out there, and then he just took Miguel up. Took him on up to the Lord. <laughs> and he's up again. Tina, look, look, he just lets Tina go. Look! He's like, all right, let's just stand a alley-oop. That boy went up. Now, this time, I'm right there. I'm like, I'm not going to play myself. I'm not going to play myself. Marlon, relax. Marlon, relax. I know this is a stressful situation, but my Mar- oh, God, guy that was scared. Relax. It's me again. Marlon, relax. I look like a little boy. Marlon, relax. Relax, Marlon. That boy started going up. He started relaxing. He started relaxing. He started relaxing.
0: Out, I- God. There he goes again.
1: You know, Miguel and I were talking afterwards, and we said to ourselves, you know what? We want to do that again, but we want to do it, like, completely with the idea not that there's something for us to like prove with how we're, our bodies are in position, but there's a place for us to rest into. Like we could have rested, you know what I mean? It could have been like 60 seconds of rest and elevation, but we, I, not them, I allowed myself to tense up. How about God's purpose for you is to elevate above suspicion that other people have that you're not good enough, above the opinions that other people have that you're not valuable enough, even ab- above, like offense that you have, trying to defend your own value. What if God wants you to elevate to your highest capacity as a human being through His love and through His power? But only through relaxation and knowing your destiny and moving into your destiny beyond other people's opinions will that come about.